Lord for you. Turn in your Bibles or follow on the screen Joshua 1. Let's stand as I read for us God's Word. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 9. Hear the Word of God. After the death of Moses, the servant of Jehovah, Jehovah said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for Jehovah your God is with you wherever you go. And thus ends the reading of God's word. May he add his blessing to it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen? Amen. You can have a seat. So God says to to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. Moses is dead. The 30-day funeral is over. Now it's time to move ahead on God's mission and to take the promised land. And so Joshua is the new leader. After 40 years of being the, the colonel, he's now the general. He's not the assistant pastor anymore. He's the senior pastor. And I, I don't know about you, but if I were Joshua, I would have had some concerns. Are, are they going to follow me? Will they listen to what I say? Will we have success? Will it all work out? And I think Joshua must have had some concerns as well because three times in Joshua chapter 1, God says, be strong and courageous. And so I I assume that the path ahead, the, the mission before them must be really, really hard. Anytime somebody says, don't be afraid, I've found that there's usually reason to fear. And and really, that's the same issue for all of us, how to be strong, how to be courageous, how to be faithful to the mission that God has called us to. When when fear is so easy and the mission is often hard. Well, beloved, faithfulness to God's mission is the result of believing and acting on God's promises. That's what we see in this text. Moses is dead. Joshua is the new leader, but he knows that he has the same God, he's on the same mission, and he has the same promises 
All is well. So I have two things to show you this morning from this passage, two, two highlights of the gospel that I want to encourage you with. And, and the first one is this. Point number one is God's continuing promises. Now this is one of the most reassuring passages in the Bible, I think. God says, take the people of God and go. Receive my gift. Beloved, this is grace. Promise number one, everywhere you step, I will give you, just like I promised Moses, all the way from the Mediterranean on the southwest to the Euphrates River on the northeast side of Syria. It's a huge chunk of land. It's all yours. Promise number two, no man shall be able to stand against you your whole life, just like Moses. Now that's amazing. Sure, guaranteed victory. Now I think that would make you feel good, wouldn't it? And number three, most importantly, I will never leave you or forsake you. And this is the real prize of the gospel. You get Jesus. So can you imagine how bold you could be if you knew that you would succeed if you just engaged in the mission? Man, that that would be incredible, wouldn't it? and And the confidence you would have, the boldness you would gain from God's reassurance. But but just so you know, these are not new promises. This is the same thing that God promised Abraham. This is God reminding Joshua of his own faithfulness to his promises. It's the same thing your pastor does before you every Sunday. Promise number one to Abraham. I'm going to give you the people and I'm going to give you the land. That's what he said in Genesis 13 and verse 17. He said, arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land for I will give it to you. Promise number two, I'm going to give you the nations. In Genesis 22, he says, your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. I love that. Your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Promise number three, I will be with you. So so Joshua should feel immense confidence. This is not a new thing. God is fulfilling his promises to Abraham revealed through Moses. Same God, same promises, same mission. So, but, but just so you know, these promises are also in the New Testament. And we don't just inherit the land of Israel. No, that, that's a down payment. Beloved, we get the nations. We get the whole kingdom. A- at the judgment As Jesus welcomes his people to the throne of grace, he says, Come ye, all the blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, that's amazing. A sure and lasting promise. The whole kingdom, all the nations prepared for you and for me before we were even born. Now, how do I know it's true? Well, that's simple. He's already given us his best gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, his only son. Died on a cross for our sins, 
rose from the dead for our salvation, for our redemption, for our ransom, for our forgiveness, for our inheritance guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans 8.32. See if it's up on the screen. There it is at the bottom. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Think about that. God has already given you the very best that he has. He's given us his own son. And so every gift in the kingdom flows out of that. He's not going to withhold anything. Never think of God as withholding anything that we need for life or godliness because he's already given us his most precious jewel, the Lord Jesus. So when God tells us, to make disciples of all nations. And we read that passage from Matthew 28. Beloved, we should feel the same confidence that Joshua had as God fulfills his promises and advances his kingdom through us. Now, is there reason to fear? Well, well, sure there is. Joshua faced five armies at one time. I imagine that was a little trembling as he was outmatched, outgunned. Can you imagine? And and so for us, I know you worry about your kids and your grandkids' future. You're concerned about these these things. In the last year, more than ever, we've worried about jobs and and businesses as we've seen them go under. You, You worry about cultural decay and our culture is changing faster than we've ever seen. And, and then you worry about aging and, and the helplessness of death and disease. And you, you layer into the normal amount of worry, a, a, a layer of COVID over all that. And, and you get a recipe for fear. And, and, and we're called to courage because fear is real. Now, courage isn't the absence of fear. Only crazy people are never afraid. Courage is doing what's good and right in the midst of fear. And so, you see, we hold on because of the faithfulness of God, because Jesus is our hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing And those whom God loves, he calls, he justifies, he glorifies. So God says, be strong, beloved, be courageous. God holds on to you just like he did Joshua. Isn't that good? So then I want to show you the second thing I wanted you to see this morning is not only God's continuing promises, but God's continuing mission. Let me read verse 7 and 8 for you again. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Be be careful to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So 
God says, success on my mission is a sure thing. So be faithful, never take grace for granted. Now the world says, success is possible if you're committed, if you work harder than everybody else. Make it happen. Take the world by storm. Well, beloved, that's not grace, and that's not the gospel. On the other hand, somebody in the church, somebody will say, well, God guarantees success. So dream big. Dream as big as you can dream. Whatever you want God to do for you, he will do for you. So have faith. No limits. Well, that, that, that's not the gospel either. That's just the syncretism of Nike and Jesus. Here's the gospel. God says success on his mission is a sure thing because our victory is in Christ who has already won the victory. So be faithful doing God's thing for God's glory. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. God says, fight my battle my way. That's the gospel. That's guaranteed success. And so he tells Joshua two things. Number one, he says, be careful to follow the law of Moses. In other words, be Bible-centered, gospel-focused, meditate on it day and night. Now that's serious focus on the word, isn't it? Day and night, night and day, how you doing? And then he says, number two, don't be distracted. Engage the enemy, fight the battle, take the land. That's the mission. Now, what does it look like for Joshua to be Bible-centered? Well, the most detailed part of the law of Moses is about the tabernacle and and worship and and having a right relationship with God. What what it describes there is a God-centered world for God's people. When they set up camp, they they would put their tents in a prescribed manner. It's all described in Numbers 2. The camp would be a square, a huge square, with the tabernacle right in the middle And then they would set their tents up so that the front door of the tent was facing the tabernacle. And that way, every time they walked out of their tent, they saw one amazing thing. The glory of God, the glory cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night right over the tabernacle. God's abiding presence right in the middle of the camp. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's a God-centered world. And then, further still, the sacrifices at their worship, of their worship at the tabernacle, are all prescribed in detail in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. Because, you see, it's a God-centered world. And it's no different for us. Here's Romans chapter 12. He says... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, our mind is renewed by God's word, night and day, day and night. We we are to accept, approve, and do the will of God because for God's people, it's a God-centered world. Now, what does it look like for Joshua to stay on the mission and engage the enemy? Well, if you dig into Moses, you'll find the exact instructions for holy war in Deuteronomy 20. You can read that for yourself. It's all there. For when Joshua and company go to the promised land, here's what they're supposed to do. Destroy idols and idolaters. Depend on God. Make no compromises with idolatry. Do do not take on pagan practices, don't take pagan ideas, don't engage in pagan pleasures, don't engage, don't give your sons and daughters in pagan marriages to unbelievers, don't embrace pagan views of sexuality and morality, and don't take on pagan views of children or any pagan gods. Wipe it all out. Well, you know, God says the same thing in the New Testament. He says, make disciples of Jesus of the nations, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. A Christ-centered life in Christ-centered community together. Don't be distracted. And there are lots of distractions. Don't follow the idols of the culture like materialism and secularism. And sexuality, have instead the mind of Christ. Take all thoughts captive by the gospel. You see, the mission that we're on is to exalt the name of Jesus in every area of life, in your city and around the world, which means that we have to engage in the battle, and that battleground is spiritual warfare through prayer. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So just like Joshua, we have to follow the rules of holy war. And here they are. Here's four passages from the book of John. Put those up there for me, would you? Here's the first one. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should last. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. 
Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds just like Joshua chapter 1 to me. Sure victory through answered prayer. That's the battleground. We ask for God's mission, for his, God, for his glory, and he does it. Christ's abiding presence. That's what he promises because Jesus is our only hope and our true prize. The battle must be difficult because four times right here at the Last Supper, aside from all the other training on prayer, four times at the Last Supper, Jesus says, ask, ask, ask in my name, ask and it shall be done for you. So we must need to know that in order to be courageous and to be engaged in faithful prayer. And it's the same means of victory. For Joshua, it's word and battle. Same thing for us, word and prayer. Word and battle, because prayer is the battleground. Now, isn't this incredible, beloved? Imagine what this church, Carriage Lane, could accomplish in God's mission to bring Christ to the nations, even to our own nation and to Peachtree City, if we were a Christ-centered, prayer-saturated people, believing the prayer promises of God and practicing holy war, making disciples of our neighbors and co-workers and leaving no one off your prayer list. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your bulletin very quickly. Grab your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, use your phone. I want you to write down three to five names of families that you want to pray and have gospel conversations with this year. Do that right now, please. Three to five names. Three to five families of friends, neighbors, that you want to have gospel conversations right here in Peachtree City with this year. Three to five families. Write it on your bulletin. Type it into your phone into the notes section. Do it now, please. Or you won't do it. See how much I trust you? How often would the preacher give you some of his precious time for you guys to participate? Three to five names of families that you're going to pray for. And what I'm asking you to do is starting today to pray for these families every day that God would give you opportunity to have gospel conversations, divine appointments. Three to five families that you're going to pray for all year that this year you would have a chance to share the gospel. And if you don't know how, they're sitting right there. They'll show you how. There's elders sprinkled out throughout the congregation. Just ask your leaders to teach you and train you. Now, what would Carriage Lane Presbyterian Church be like if your staff and your elders were leading weekly prayer meetings and therefore the majority of your members were also meeting weekly in missional prayer meetings with other believers, with prayer meetings peppered all over this city 
every day of the week. What would this church be like if that change happened? Well, I'll tell you what it would be like. You would be like Joshua taking the land. Sure victory. You would be fighting the battle, standing on the promises of Christ himself to advance the kingdom, making disciples, bringing hope to the world. You would be in full-blown revival, prayer revival, that this little city has never seen. It would be so good. But there is bad news my friends. Here's the bad news. We Presbyterians, and I'm one of you, we Presbyterians are word-centered, but we're not prayer-saturated. We're in the game for teaching the Bible. We do it well. We know our stuff. But we're armchair quarterbacks when it comes time for prayer. We're willing to watch others engage. We're smart. We're book-educated. We're solid, we know our stuff. But friends, if smarts alone change the world, then Washington, D.C. would be a different place because that's where the smartest people in the nation gather. It, it takes prayer and word. It takes more than reason. It takes Holy Spirit revelation. And that only comes by prayer. You know, I, I think if Joshua had been a good Presbyterian in the PCA, here's what he would have done. He would have crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, set up the tabernacle, practiced the sacraments of circumcision and then Passover, and then he would have invited the Canaanites to come see how cool the tabernacle is. No holy war. Uh, he would have just sent out a few messengers to call the Canaanites to repent and along with an occasional soldier excursion into enemy territory. But beloved, we have the greatest message in the world, the love of God revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. Love, peace, joy, no guilt, no shame, no fear. Jesus is the only name that will save your family, save your neighbors, and save the world. But you see, people don't listen to the message unless the messengers pray. Because it takes more than reason and more than smarts. In fact, usually the people of God don't even engage in mission unless there is overwhelming prayer. We, we just cheer for the missionaries. It's impossible, you see, to love the bruised and broken reeds around you without prayer saturation. Because then it's just a chore and it doesn't come from Holy Spirit love. Listen, you don't have to go to the foreign mission field to be in the battle, and to be a soldier, and, and to be greatly used of God for the kingdom. All you have to do is gather with God's people, praying kingdom prayers as a soldier of prayer. You'll reach your own city for Christ, and you'll send waves of soldiers to the mission field. In fact, we need more prayers than we need goers. Prayer soldiers are, 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 are as essential 
as any mission soldier. In fact, an army has more people in the back making it happen than they have in the front. But it's more than just sending with your money. It's engagement in mission prayer. And if you're neither a prayer soldier or a mission soldier, well, then you may be AWOL. And and that's not good. But there is good news, beloved. It's an incredible good news. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. Jesus died on a cross for our sins, even the sin of doubting Christ's holy war prayer instructions and the sin of sitting on the sidelines to content to let others fight. And he rose from the dead to give us new life, to take away our guilt and our shame and our fear and and healing brokenness, to give us a life of victory and joy and answered prayers as prayer soldiers who live by the book. So I invite you today to turn from yourself and to trust in Christ for salvation and restoration and battle engagement. Will you do it? Will you answer the call today? You know, Joshua only had two setbacks. One in Joshua 7 because they didn't follow the word and and Achan was guilty of idolatry. And the other setback was in Joshua 9 when they were deceived by the Gibeonites because they didn't pray. Joshua learned both lessons. And so he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Carriage Lane, I am praying for you that you'll believe the promises of Christ and that this church will be faithful to the prayer mission of God's hope for the nations and that you'll storm the gates of hell in Jesus' name. And that, my friends, is the glorious grace of the gospel. We'll stand for prayer. Our Father, the hurdles to gospel advancement are huge. But we have all the weapons on our side. The enemy is enormous. Giants in the land. But Lord Jesus, you've already won the victory. And so, Father, our prayer this morning is that we would be like Joshua, faithful to the mission, that we would answer the call, not only to be faithful to the word, but to engage in spiritual warfare and to be prayer soldiers for Christ. Would you do that in us and therein receive the glory of God and receive the glory that's due only for you? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.